my name is Crystal Hall and I want to welcome you to the second episode of Overcomers. Today I want to spend a little bit of time um, again discussing Vicki Stark's book, Runaway Husbands, The Abandoned Wife's Guide to Recovery and Renewal. I'm going to discuss you know, some of the similarities between Vicki's story and my story. I also want to cover why this is not a typical divorce and then finally go over the transformational stages that Vicki writes about from the moment the bomb is first dropped um, to, you know, you finally make it through and you're seeing that your life is actually going to be fine, that you're going to do great things. And so I want to first start by talking about Vicki Stark, a little bit about her. Vicki is a licensed uh, marriage and family counselor and she was doing this work when her husband basically dropped the bomb on her um, she was gone on a trip uh, she was promoting a book that she had just written she had been gone a couple weeks and then upon returning from this trip her husband told her the marriage is over um, likewise for me, um, I was gone for a couple weeks on a vacation, um, got back from the vacation and I was home for a couple weeks and my husband at the time told me the marriage is over. So one of the things that I really admire about Vicki is that she was able to take the work that she does and provide this really valuable resource for women who are going through a divorce that is not like other divorces. My ex and I had just bought a house. I thought, you know, that we were buying a house that we were going to be enjoying together. Um, we were going to start enjoying each other again for the first time in many years after having raised our kids. So I was really in a place where I had all these ideas in my head of what my future looked like. I certainly would not have bought a house um, had I known that we were going that we were headed for divorce. And so Vicki writes about this in her book. And she writes, what makes wife abandonment syndrome so devastating for a woman is not merely that her husband decided unilaterally to leave the marriage. Rather, it's the way he does it. The fact that his departure was completely unanticipated and that his wife believed herself to be in a good marriage makes it so destructive. Although the woman being left certainly contributed to whatever problems existed in the marriage, the important fact is that she was blindsided and lied to her lied to by her spouse who had a secret agenda. My ex went through the process of buying a house with me only to tell me two months after that our marriage was done. That to me is a typical or a pretty obvious example of deception. Um, it is why I never saw it coming. We had a marriage where there wasn't a lot of arguing. I thought that when there were issues, we were able to have conversations with each other. There were things that my husband struggled with that I was able to help him with. Likewise, if there was something I was struggling with, he was there to help me. And so I really honestly thought that 
we would always be able to work through things. You know, a lot of times when a marriage is ending, I think there's pretty obvious signs. There's signs like, you know, they don't really talk to each other anymore or they don't do anything together anymore. Maybe they have a lousy sex life or maybe there's a lot of fighting. You know, none of that is true for the marriage that I had at that time. It was unexpected. And for most of the women who are going through this, when you talk to them, they really had no idea that this was something that their husbands were planning on doing. And it truly is a plan. The men, once they decide to let their wives know that the marriage is over, if they have that conversation with them, some men just leave and don't ever communicate with their wives ever again. They made up their minds months and sometimes years prior to having this conversation. So there's no opportunity for the wife to try to salvage the marriage because in his mind, the marriage is already done. So it's a shock. And Vicki talks about or writes about the stages that women go through when they first receive the news to the very end. And so the next part of this, I'm going to be covering the stages that she writes about and also sharing a little bit about what I was going through um, kind of as I was working my way through these stages. The important thing to remember is that these stages, it's not linear and you are not going to just go from one stage to the next without at some time regressing a little bit, if not more than once, um, probably two or three times. I've been on this journey for a year and a half I've recently, I think, went back a few steps uh, about a month and a half ago. So that's normal. That's typical. But I think it, it's helpful to kind of read the stages and see, okay, this is, this is where I'm at right now, but this is the next stage coming up. And really work on doing what you can so that you are not staying stuck in any one stage or you are not in a place where you are destructive either to yourself or to somebody else. So the next part of this, I want to read the stages that Vicki writes about. She uses meteorological terms in order to discuss the stages. There are eight that she writes about and you may skip one. You know, you may not go through all the stages, just kind of depending or um, a stage may only last like a week or so. Nobody I'm going to say for this process, nobody's journey through this process is going to be identical. I think the biggest piece to remember is to not stay stuck and try to do things so that you can work through it in order to get to the end. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I am working really, really hard to make sure that I reach the final stage and that that's the place that I remain in so that I can have the life that I want for the rest of my life. So the first stage that Vicki writes about is called the tsunami. And she writes, you take the first hit when you are informed out of the blue that the marriage is over. You feel like you're drowning and go into shock. So again, when he told me, um, we'd only been, I was, I'd only been home for a couple weeks from my vacation and I was sitting on the couch. I could tell that he was upset about something. And so I asked him and he looked at me and he said, our marriage is done. And I remember looking back at him and not really being able to process what I had just heard. And so I repeated it back to him 
And he was, he was like, yep, our marriage is done. And I burst into tears at that time. And one of the things that he shared with me afterwards is that he did not expect my reaction. He thought, I guess, that I would, I would say, of course, yes, our marriage is done. And that I would be happy and relieved that he had made this announcement. But it was, it was a shock to me. I, I was not anticipating it. The next step, stage two, is tornado. Vicki writes, your thoughts are spinning wildly as you try to come up with some desperate plan to make this not be happening or at least to understand it. It's a crazy and dangerous time. You're not in your right mind. So I was doing things that had I been thinking more rationally, I'd n I would not have done them. Um, one of the things that I did is I helped him buy a motorcycle and you know, I look at that and it was very obvious to me that I was really trying to keep my husband happy and keep him, keep him in the marriage. Um, so I helped him buy a motorcycle, not one of my prouder moments and not one that I made, um, rationally a decision that was made in order to keep him married to me. If I'm going to be real, I mean, I want to be real, but he didn't turn it down either, knowing that that's where, that's where I was at, you know, that I was not in a very good frame of mind when I helped him purchase this motorcycle. The next one is thunderstorm. You feel attacked raw and fearful and don't know when the next thunderbolt will strike. Your emotions ricochet wildly from anger, lightning, to grief, rain, to fear, wind. I remember during the thunderstorm having really bad panic attacks. And it's be I think it's because of all the unknown, the, you know, the thinking in my head of not knowing who this person was um, anymore that I was married to, wondering what the future was going to look like for me. I was with my ex-husband much longer than I was with my own family, you know, 31 years at that time. You know, a lot of fear, a lot of sadness, um, some anger. The anger really didn't come until a couple months later. But at, the, but at this time, the biggest thing were the panic attacks. Um, I had one panic attack that was so bad that I ended up having to call 911 um, because I actually thought I was having a heart attack. And so know that if you are having panic attacks, there is help for you and to make sure that you are seeking out that help in order to minimize those panic attacks. But also meditation is really helpful for panic attacks, you know, taking in a deep breath, really grounding yourself to where you're at at that moment in order to get your breathing back into alignment. So from thunderstorm, you go into the ice storm and Vicki writes, life feels hard, cold, unrecognizable, unforgiving. You've lost your footing. There's no future and time slows way down. You're frozen, just trying to make it through each day. You wonder if you'll ever feel normal again. Boy, I remember that. I really, I kept saying to him, all I want is my life back. I just want my old life back because the life that I was living at that time was so unrecognizable. It was one that if somebody had told me even six months prior to all this happening that I would be going through what I was going through, I would have laughed at them because it seemed so inconceivable that he would turn into this person that I literally did not recognize. I remember we, we had driven up to see our daughter and our grandson for Christmas. And I remember driving our car. It was about a 12 hour drive looking over at him at one point 
and really not recognizing the person that was sitting next to me because he had turned into a completely different man. And I felt like I was riding in a car with a stranger, which is kind of confusing um, and and not a good place to be in. That was the ice storm. And then you go into the fog. She writes, your interior world is still gray, but the feeling's not as intense. You've grown profoundly tired of struggling with your emotions, but your mind is slowly starting to function again. So for me, the fog was the first time where I knew that I had to let him have the, the divorce. And it was right around New Year's, so we were back from our trip. I was laying in our bed, and I just kind of had this moment of clarity. And I was, I was like, he's not, he's not going to do anything in order to save this marriage. And I rolled over, and I looked at him, and I said, if you want the, the divorce, you can have the, the divorce. And that was kind of the first step that I had taken in order to take control of my life back into my hands and not have him have that control. First moment of clarity, even though she just, she writes about it being fog, but I think it's it was the first time where I felt like my brain was functioning in a way that was uh, made sense finally for me. The next one is sun shower. She writes, the world has started to thaw and regain some color as you begin to seesaw between bad days and good. About a month after, or a few weeks after, I told him that he could have the, the divorce if that's what he wanted. I asked him to leave our house. And I'm going to just kind of discuss at some point, most likely, my timeline a little bit more into detail um, as to why he was still living in the house, even though he said the marriage is over. But during... The time I asked him or told him that he could have the divorce, a few weeks later, I then asked him to leave our house. And we then put the house in the market. We sold the house. I found a place to live. And so I, I was starting to have some good days mixed with some bad days. Um, some days where I was pretty happy to some days where the grief was still pretty profound profound for me. So then she says, after you go through this stage, you're going to go into sun, you're going to go into early spring. And this is kind of where I think that I'm at right now. I kind of think waver between sun shower and early spring. She writes, although there are still traces of all you've suffered, new opportunities have started to bud. You feel your life gearing up for change. So for me, my focus, since I've been on my own now about a year, has been to rediscover who Crystal is. What does Crystal like to do? What did Crystal not do during the time of her marriage? Not because, you know, my ex-husband didn't allow me to do these things, but just because life gets in the way. You know, you start a family, you know, you, you move into a house, um, you're going to school, you're working, whatever the things are that make your life at that time, some things go away. And so this past year has really been an intensity of focus on what is going to make me happy. It is the first time in my life where I have been able to fully examine 
what that means for me. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit more because then the final stage in this is warm summer day. You have made the transition into your new life and look to the future with anticipation. You've learned how to create your own happiness. So that's where I'm at. You know, um, I'm moving, I'm, I'm working very hard to move into that final stage. My focus with my therapist as I work through not only the trauma that uh, I went through because of the end of my marriage, but other trauma that I went through when I was younger, there are things now that I am focusing on in order to make sure that I never end up in a place again like I was at the end of my marriage. I never want to give that sort of power to anyone. The power that I want for myself is the power of knowing that my happiness is created by me. My happiness comes from within. My happiness comes from doing the things that truly feed my soul, that truly drive me to want to get up each day and be excited about the opportunities that are presenting themselves as I look at the future. That's where, you know, that's where I'm moving towards and I'm, I'm excited about it. And I want, again, if there's anybody out there that's listening, that's at the very beginning of this journey, it sucks. It's not easy, but you're going to make it through and you're going to, you're going to be fine. That's the thing that I want you to, I want you to hear. That being said, I know how tough this journey is and I know that there were times where I did not want to get up the next morning. I did not want to face what my life was looking like at that time. And so I want you to know that if you are at a place where you think you might hurt yourself or you might hurt somebody else, you need to reach out for help. There's help for you. You can always call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, and that number is 1-800-273-8255. Talk to somebody that's going to be able to help you. Find a therapist that's going to be able to help you. Some of the things that have helped me is my journal writing, my writing on my blog, my sharing my story within the Facebook groups, trying to be a positive voice for other women who are at the beginning of this journey. I also want you to know that life does get better as long as you're willing to do the work and you have to be honest with yourself. What is it that is going to make you happy? What are some of the things even within your marriage that you are unhappy with? You know, that is something that I am now working on. You know, there, again, there are things in my marriage that I wish I could have changed. There are things that I wish I would have done differently and I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to have the perfect relationship. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't always be working on making ourselves better, not only for ourselves, but for the people around us. So I want to end today's episode with, um, this quote that I found, you know, something else that I do is I download positive memes in order to, you know, read through them and help my, uh, help me get into a better, uh, thinking space. So this one, 
um, was shared on Instagram today and it says, you watched me on the edge of that cliff, reached out and pushed, but you didn't realize that sometimes it takes a push for a girl to learn to fly. I wish for every woman out there who is struggling on this journey to know that you are going to get to a place where you are going to fly. And I want to be part of that journey and I want to celebrate that journey. Um, so hang in there and know that you're going to be okay. You're going to, you're going to be fine and you're going to be a strong, strong woman at the end of this. And any man who ever even attempts to put you through something like this again, you're going to be strong enough to be able to walk away from it and you're, you will be fine. So that's it for me for today's episode. Um, I would just want to remind you that I do have a blog. It's called it's never too late to try.com. You can also find me on Instagram at I am crystal hall. My name is spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-A-L, last name H-A-L-L. And then I'm, I've also created a Facebook group called Overcomers. So make sure you look for the Overcomers Facebook group. And I look forward to hearing about your stories.